I believe that God has something special for us this morning as I begin to study. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Come on, let's get, let's get behind what God wants to do this morning. As I begin to study for this, I felt a heavy burden fall upon me. And typically, I'll give you my process. By Tuesday, I know exactly what I'm speaking. And I know that that may change as I get older. But up until this moment, this week, by Tuesday, I know what I'm speaking because I, I take it serious. But when Tuesday came around, nothing was there, but the burden was there. And when Wednesday came around, nothing was there, but the burden was there. And when Thursday came around, nothing was there, but the burden was there. But when Thursday came around, Friday came around, God began to reveal to me finally, thank you Jesus, what he wanted to say to this church. But the burden is still here. And I come to you this morning with a burden. A burden for you and a burden for me and a burden for what I know that God wants to do in this city and what God wants to do in this church and what God wants to do in our families and what God wants to do in this world. And I believe it in my heart. And if you believe it, say amen. amen. This morning, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3. The book of Philippians, you can, you can stand for the reading of the word. I know we've been standing for a while. I will be short. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12, it's very familiar passage here and it says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended of Jesus. I love being apprehended of Jesus. How about you? It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And this here is where I want us to lean into this morning. This is where I feel like as a church, God is trying to lead us to. Paul says, I press, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. I press, I press for the call, I press for the mark. I press. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your promises that have already came to pass. Thank you for everything you've done up to this moment, God. And I pray that your Shekinah glory begins to fill this place like it's never filled it before. God, I pray that someone walks out of here different, changed, and ready to impact their world and save their family. In the name above every name, in the name where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. In the name of Jesus we pray and everyone said amen. You may be seated. This morning I would like to speak to you from this subject, full court press. How many basketball people do we have up in here? I know we got some. I think I am, but I'm not. Let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. I think I'm the best, but I'm probably the worst. I have more heart than I have ability, uh, but that has went a long way, but... Full court press, it's a, it's a basketball term. And Vivek Rondeve was a man that had never played or had even watched a single game of basketball in his life. He wasn't interested in it. He didn't know the first thing about it. His time was consumed by computers. He was a computer guy. He was a computer programmer that lived in the Silicon Valley. So basketball or any other sport was never any interest to him. And this was the case for his life until his 12-year-old daughter came up to him and said, Dad, I want to play basketball. Vivek was excited. 
that his little girl was interested in something other than computers, something active, something to get out of the house, and he was happy that she wanted to be part of a team. Because we all understand there's a lot to learn in organized sports. We learn control. We learn self-control. We learn discipline. And those were all the attributes that he was so desperately wanting his daughter to learn. But as time passed, Vivek began to receive emails from the league organizer saying, Hello, sir. Unfortunately, we are having a hard time finding a coach for your daughter's team. How many has ever been there before? Yeah, I coached T-ball two years for Jovi. And I'm, he's not playing anymore because they keep asking me to coach. I'm not a coach. Not my son's team anyways. But they said, is there any way that you could help us out and coach this team? Now mind the fact that Vivek is a computer guy. Not a sports guy. He had never even dribbled a basketball. And the only thing that he knew about basketball was there was a goal, a hoop, and a ball. And you just had to get it in it to make points. He didn't know what, what made what. He didn't know about threes. He didn't know about any of these things. So his response, Vivek's response was so polite. He said, no, I'm sorry, I can't help you. But as the season came closer and closer, the, uh, the team was finally uh, about to start the team without a coach. And finally, as one last Hail Mary attempt, the league reached out to him once again, with this time with a little bit more urgency. And they said, sir... We have reached out to every other dad, but you, you're the last one. And if you don't coach this team, no one will. So either you're going to coach this team, or we're going to return your money. We need a coach. So Vivek did what any of us other dads would do and have done. He agreed to do what needed to be done in that moment. And immediately, because he was a whiz kid, a wise guy, he began to research the game of basketball. He began to study the, like, uh, study the likes of Michael Jordan, who is my favorite player. He's the greatest of all time. Sorry, LeBron. He began to study Larry Bird and Julius Irvin. He began to watch the game and quickly became a student of the game. But while he was watching the game of basketball, something stood out to him that was glaring. And it wasn't the dunks. It wasn't the threes. It wasn't the spectacular passing. It wasn't the team. It was the fact that for some reason, unlike any other sport, the teams on defense would leave 74% of the court basically unguarded. And this baffled him. For some reason, the opposing teams on defense were only covering 26% of the floor. And this puzzled Vivek, and he said, why on earth would they give the team against them so much advantage? And he saw that the only time that teams were actually running the full court press was when it was desperation mode. When it was one last Hail Mary attempt. When it was the game was on the line. When it was the last resort moment of des desperation. And it was in that moment that Vivek decided, and he said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to run the full court press. The entire game. It didn't take long to discover that the full court press was not an easy task. And that he would have to condition his team for the task at hand. So that's exactly what he did. Every practice was the same. Conditioning. Conditioning. It wasn't easy and there was times that he thought he was going to lose the team and lose players. But he continued to condition. 
This was a team of little girls that had never played the game before, and he was going to transform them into little girls that understood the game. And he understood one thing, that it was going to take conditioning. It wasn't going to be by the talent because they didn't have it. It wasn't going to be because of the knowledge they had of basketball because there was none. It was a team of little girls that looked just like his little girl. A blonde-headed, blue-eyed little girl that would do better sitting behind a desk if he had his way. Vivek may not have understood the game, but he did understand one defining aspect, which is this. That effort always trumps ability. And I'll say that one more time. He understand this one defining aspect, which was this, that effort always trumps ability. So they may not have been the most talented or the most seasoned, but they had the effort and they had the scheme and they had the condition to go the distance. But even the effort and a great scheme, the task at hand was difficult. There were countless times the girls wanted to quit because they couldn't see the bigger picture in the moment. That is until they played their very first game. They beat the other team so bad that the coaches on the other team were meeting Vivek in the parking lot wanting to go to Fist City with him. They said, you're cheating. You're cheating. You're not playing the game the way it's supposed to be played. You're running the full court. Our girls can't even get the ball passed in. Why are you cheating? This isn't the way the game is supposed to be played. It's supposed to be played by a certain standard and by a certain set of rules. Why are you playing the game like this? We just want to win. We're better than you. We're more talented than you. We have more to offer than you, but you won the game. And he said, I'm going to play the game the way I want to play the game. And from that moment on, he no longer had to walk into a practice and say, let's condition. From that moment on, those girls knew that they had something special. They knew that effort was always going to trump ability and they went on believe it or not to be an undefeated team that year in basketball a team of 12 year old girls that knew nothing about basketball to start the season and in a recent conversation reflecting that amazing season that Vivek had he made this statement he said that other teams just couldn't handle the pressure no matter how good, no matter how talented, no matter how whatever they had, no matter how tall, they couldn't handle the pressure. And I'm here to tell you this morning that pressure is real. And no matter who you are, young, old, rich, poor, broken, busted, on top of the world, in the bottom of the world, pressure is real. And it comes with life. No one is exempt. No one can get away from it. You're going to face the pressures of life. And it's going to come. The best thing you can do is get yourself ready. Because pressure is real. Sitting here this morning, I see a body of people living under immense amounts of pressure and adversity and worry. And they're heavy laden and you're oppressed and you're depressed. Worried about this. Worried about that. It's, it's, there's this all-out attack on the people of God. The pressures of life are a real thing. Our marriages are under attack. There would be nothing more than any would love to separate you and your spouse. Separate you and your family. Our kids are under attack. We're worried living in constant, excuse me, pressure. What about my job? What about my future? Is this the right decision? Is this the right career? Did I say too much? You ever been there before? Did I not say enough? 
Did I do enough? Did I do too much? Can God really heal this sickness in my body? Because he seems to be healing everybody else, but he's not healing me. Can God do it? Is there enough time in my life for God to heal me? Will my kids come back to church? Will they die lost? Will I ever catch a break? Will my business ever take off? Pressure. We live under immense amount of pressure, constant pressure. You don't believe me. Go check it for yourself. The divorce rate is at an all-time high. Drug addiction's at its peak. We've never seen the numbers that we've seen today. Suicide, our dear family members, our friends, all-time high. Sickness in the world. The way people think, the way people view things, it's just changing because of the pressure. Oppression and depression and anxiety. It is suffocating our world. Pressure. And it's not just us. When I begin to read the word, of God, when I begin to open up God's holy word, there has been a constant theme all throughout this good book, this great book here. That from Genesis to Revelation, there was pressure. Adam felt the pressure from Eve and made a mistake and changed the course of humanity forever. Cain felt the pressure from his brother to be better and to have a better sacrifice and was angry and a life was lost. Abraham felt the pressure from, from Sarah to produce an offspring and Ishmael was born. Jacob felt the pressure from his mother Rebecca and lied to his father and he had to live a life on the run. King Saul felt the pressure from the people and made the biggest mistake of his life and it cost him a kingship. David felt the pressure of the sin that he was bound with and it cost him a son and the in the kingship. Peter felt the pressure to fit in and to save his own life and it cost him his integrity and Judas felt the pressure from the priest and his own selfish ambitions and it cost him eternity. But you listen to me this morning. Jesus Christ felt the pressure of our weight and our sin and said as long as you'll turn to me I'll carry your cross. I'll carry you. I got the pressure. You may be living a life under pressure but I'm here to tell you this morning that we serve a God that's not absent from your problems we serve a God that knows about your pressure he knows about your pain he knows about your anxiety as a matter of fact he wants to take care of those things for you this morning Jesus felt the weight and the sin and the pressure of the cross you know what he did he just paid the price in full. I got it, no big deal. There's nothing that's too hard for God. There's nothing that's too hard for God this morning. And I'm here to remind someone today that what you're up against is just a trick of the devil. The lie that's been whispered in your ear that you will never receive your healing, that your family won't never come back to church, and we won't never be a church. Oh, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. We serve the living God. We serve the living God, and his name is Jesus. And as long as he sits up on that throne in heaven, we ain't got nothing to worry about. Send the pressure, baby, because we got Jesus. I fully believe. This is why Paul, the apostle, took the time to write these words when he said, it's a very familiar passage of scripture, he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It was a reminder to us today that God is truly the one on the throne 
and in control. And no matter the weight of our life, no matter the worry or the pain, no matter the agony or no matter the lies the enemy presses upon us, that we still can do all things. It doesn't matter what the enemy is telling you as long as you're connected to the source, as long as you're connected to Jesus, there's nothing that can stop you. There's no weapon form that will prosper. There's no devil in hell. There's no enemy. There's no lie that can stop you from what God wants to do in your life. Nothing, nothing is too hard, too hard for our God. It's how and why. When King David took the time to write this song, after he made the biggest mistake of his life, In Psalms 18, when he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. I realize that I may have the pressures of life. I realize I may have the pressures of this world. I realize I may have the pressures of the kingdom upon my back. But God, I will love you because you're my strength. You're where my help comes from. You're where I hide. You're my joy. You're my source. And I believe it's time for the people of God to stand up and go ahead and remind yourself that it doesn't matter what the enemy may be saying, that God is our source. He's our refuge. He's our refuge from the pressures of life. And we must remind ourselves, you may be seated with the great wise writer of Proverbs instructs us when he said, trust in the Lord. We've got all this right here. We live life like we don't have the answers, but we're walking around with the answers. Let me tell you something. Say even my notes. I feel this under the unction of the Holy Ghost. We've got the greatest We've got the greatest, we've got the greatest, we've got the greatest, we've got the greatest cheat code that we could ever possibly have. There is nothing that you have faced, will face, or ever going to face that hasn't been written in this book. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Pressure. God's directing my path. Pressure, God's illuminating my, uh, lightening my steps. Pressure, I've got God on my side. And if God's got my back, what's it even matter? Pressure can either destroy us or define us. Do you know that the most beautiful diamonds are formed under the most painful circumstances? Pressure. Pressure. What you're going through this morning and what you're faced with in your life, it was never meant to break you. It was meant to make you. The agony that's plaguing your mind and your life, that is not your end. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, the Bible said he prayed so fervently in the spirit. He was hard pressed. What a scene. Our Savior, our God, our King, our sacrifice. God in flesh, in agony, with a heavy heart and the weight of all humanity resting upon his shoulders, he cried out, God, let your will be done. The Bible says in Luke twenty two forty four, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat were as great drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus prayed so hard, he began to sweat blood. He prayed so fervently. He pressed so hard for you and for me. 
That he began to sweat drops of blood. Do you know this is something to this? Do you know what Gethsemane means in the Hebrew? The mountain that Jesus went to pray at. Do you know how hard Jesus was pressing for you through time for me? The word Hebrew in the group literally means oil press. So Jesus was in the garden, and when he was praying, he was literally doing a full court press. He was crushed by every weight of, in our sin. He was crushed by every decision. He was crushed by what he had to do. But he said, I understand one thing, Brother Eric. If I don't do it, who will? If I don't go to this cross, who will? If I don't save these people, who will? It was the pressing that night that propelled Jesus to the cross. And I'm here to tell this wonderful church this morning that I love so much that we have been pressed long enough. And we have stood back on the sidelines long enough. And it is time for us to flip the script. It is time for us to change the play. It is time for us to swap to the full court press. Romans 13, 11 says this. This is time. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time. And that knowing the time and now is the high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believe. Read that one more time just so we can sink in. Now is the high time to awake out of sleep. For our salvation is nearer than we believed. I don't care what the devil's telling you today. It's time. It's time to press back. It's time for the church, this church, to run the full court press. It's time for this body of Christ and cover the whole court. We can't give another inch to this world. It's time to press in with prayer. It's time to press in with fasting. It's time to press in his word. It's time to press to an altar. It's time to press to your family. I'm going to tell you right now, time. It's time. It's time. Look at your neighbor one more time and say, it's time. It's my time. Say it's my time. Say it's my season. It's my saying like you mean to say it's my season. It is your time. It is your season. It is your breakthrough. It is yours. God has appointed this time. He brought you here this morning so you could have the breakthrough that you so desperately need. Now is the time. As I begin to study for this, it's no mystery that I'm drawn to the elderly. It's my section back there. I love y'all. Missing a few. If you're sitting back there and you're not elderly, I apologize. Don't be offensive. But I begin to study and I begin to pray and my mind begin to wonder and I begin to think, God, thank goodness for this, these generations before us. The only reason that I'm here, outside of God's grace and mercy, is because of the prayers of a grandmother, and because of the prayers of a saint, and because of the prayers of the elderly people that understood that whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. They lose some prayers for me. They begin to cover me. And I'm so thankful for the generation that covered me. I'm so thankful for the generation that prayed for me. Thank God. They deserve a hand clap of praise this morning. They fought for us. They were the pioneers of this faith. 
But you listen to me and you listen to me good. We can't live off those prayers anymore. We can't live off grandma's prayers and papa's prayers and the, and the revivals of the saint. It's time for us to have our revival. It's time for us to have our prayers. It's time for us to have our pressing. It's time for us to have our breakthrough. It's time for us to step in. I refuse to look back at my generation and say, I'm sorry I didn't fight harder. I'm sorry I didn't press harder. I'm sorry I didn't do what needed to be done. We got to press. We got to press. Our souls depend upon it. You may be seated. Our families depend upon it. Our city depends upon it. You listen to me, Christian Life Church. We must, not we need to. We must have revival. Our thought process, our patterns have to change. It's time to press. You've got neighbors. I say this every time I'm up here because I believe it. I've got neighbors. Shame on me that they're not in the church right now. We've got to press. We've got to press. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of this world's agenda being pushed on my family and on my babies. I'm 37. i got two kids. God's blessed me. And it was just a few days ago that ever walked into the, the living room and Tay and I, we were sitting there in the evening. We always talk in the evening, just going through everything and trying to, if you have kids, just get a moment together, you know, and say, hey, it's me, I'm Chase, you know, all those things. Our life revolves around them. And uh, ever walks in with a book, or Taylor, uh, and, and, and it was like, I can't read this. She got it from the library. It was AR, Accelerating Reading. We didn't have it. We would never buy that. She says, I can't finish this book. I can't take my test. And it's like, wow, why can't, you take the, why can't you finish the book? Why can't you take the test? Because when she got to the very last chapter, it was a scene of, of, of this grotesque scene of these, these it, was, it, was, it was homosexuality. And, and my daughter's nine years old. And I remember in that moment how I felt. They're already after my baby. She's nine. She doesn't need to see this. She's nine. She doesn't deserve this. She's not. Why are you doing that to my kid? And all of a sudden I felt some anger and a little boldness rise up from me and say, you know what? Not on my watch, baby. And Taylor told her I didn't because she's just as bold as I am. She said, you march up in that library and you be a as nice as you can and you hand her that book and say I'm sorry I can't read this this don't line up with who I am this don't line up with where I am I just want to tell you something the world is trying to change us and define us but they don't define us and they don't change us I will be defined by this my standard comes from this my life comes from this sin is still sin right is still right wrong is still wrong and I hurt the, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings but girls are still girls and boys are still boys world wants to change what's right and wrong. I refuse, not on my watch. Sin is still sin. Pressure. Pressure. I'm talking about pressure this morning. It's real. The world around us, it doesn't set the standard for us. God sets the standard for us. The world doesn't decide what's right and wrong for us. We decide by God's word. He decides. We accept. We move forward. That's it. It's time to press. I press for the mark of the high calling. 
And people may not understand it. And the world may look down on it. But when you walk in this prayer room and all you want to do is pray. And they look at you and say, why are you praying all the time? I'm pressing. I'm just pressing. I'm just pressing. Why are you always praying? Why are you always? I'm pressing. I'm pressing. I got a, I got a world to change. Why are you always reading that? But I'm pressing. I'm pressing. Leave me alone. Why are you always fasting? I'm pressing. Why are you always witnessing? I'm pressing. Why are you always talking about God? I'm pressing. I'm sick and tired of allowing the world to press on me. And I'm changing the attack. And I'm going to start pressing on it. And I believe that it is fitting for the church of the high God to stand up and say, not on my watch. soul matters. You may be seated. Your soul matters. Your family matters. Your family matters. We've got to start living our lives for a well done, not good and faithful servant. And I ask you the question this morning. Are you living for a well done or a good job? I don't mean that anyway. I'm not coming against anybody this morning unless you're sinning. Then I absolutely am in the name of Jesus. Are we living for a, a good job? Good job. You did good. Here's your trophy. Here's your participation prize. Here you go. Are you living for a well done? Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's a 100% chance you're going to stand there and hear a well done or a depart. And it would be in your best interest as a church to start living a life as a well done. And it would be in my best interest. There's some things in my life that I've got to push out. I've got to put God back on the throne of my life. I'm talking to me this morning. But I'm talking to my family this morning. If there's one thing I can tell my family this morning, we got to start living for a well done. we got to start making decisions based off of a well done. We got, more, it's not just a stake. That ain't a stake, it's a statement. Well done, and that's what we have to do. Our eternity is in heaven with Jesus. That's what our focus has to be. Or is it some temporary, temporary achievement? You know what Jesus said about temporary things? Jesus, you can say Paul didn't, Paul said it, whatever. You know what Jesus said? He said, lay up, not up for yourselves treasures upon this earth where moth and dust doth corrupt and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves. But lay up for yourselves. One more time. Lay up for yourselves. you got to do it. Pastor can't do it. I can't do it. Brother Hodge can't do it. Crystal can't. None of this worship team can't do it. Sister Chance can't do it. None of us can do it. you got to lay those possessions up for yourself. Where, th- where, noth, where neither moth nor dust nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I'm here to tell someone this morning, under the conviction of the Holy Ghost, that it's time to put God back on the throne of our lives. And He's either Lord of all, or He's not Lord at all in your life. Because He is Lord of all in my life. And I know I'm looking to a group of saints this morning where he is Lord of all. And I'm not against having fun and extracurricular activities. Please don't look at me like that. I hope Jovi goes pro so I can retire one day. But he's either Lord of all or he's not God at all. He either sits on the throne of your life or he's in the back seat with dust all over him. We've got to press. We don't have to be the biggest. We don't have to be the baddest. We don't have to be the wisest or the strongest or the smartest. We just got to press. 
And I want all those things. And I'm looking at a group of people that is the smartest, that is the brightest, that is the strongest, that has talent running out of their ears. But you hear me this morning, if you haven't heard anything else I've said, effort always trumps ability. And you can take that ability and mess up and make the biggest mistakes. Or you can get the effort and say, you know what? I want it. I want it. I want it. I want the blessings of God for my life. I want what he's talking about. I want forgiveness. I want joy. I want hope. I want peace. The full court press, it isn't easy. It'll cost you everything. It's an act of desperation. But it's time for us to become desperate for revival. Desperate for revival. Someone walked into this church this morning and your life's a mess. And you're desperate for revival in your life. You've tried everything that you know and you're ready to give up. But I'm telling you this morning to try Jesus. You tried Jesus. I felt that so strong in my office this morning as I began to pray. Someone walked in this place this morning and your life's a mess. And your life is tore up. And you've tried it your way. And you've tried it every way possible. And the last thing you haven't tried is truly submitting your life to Jesus. And I just want to say right now, you ain't got to wait till I finish to come to your altar. When you get ready to meet Jesus, you meet Jesus. When you get ready to get baptized in Jesus' name, you just stand up and do it. Because we got to press. We got to press. It's not easy. It's not easy. Your eternity depends upon your pressing, and I'm coming to a close. If you need healing this morning, I'm here to tell you that your miracle is on the other side of your pressing. Don't believe me. Believe the Bible. That's all we really have. I can come up here and tell you anything. Go home and study it for yourself. But there's a woman with an issue of blood that had it for 12 years that couldn't get to stop. She spent all she had trying to get, to get better, to get well. And you know what changed her life? When she began to press through the crowd. You don't think there's something about pressing? She began to press through the crowd. She began to press. I'm pressing. I need it. I need my healing. I'm sick of this. You don't believe pressing matters? There was a paralyzed man who couldn't get to Jesus because of the pressing of the crowd. So he and his friends were just so desperate enough that they began to rip the roof off of the house just to get his miracle I'm talking about desperation this morning. And I just wonder if there's anybody in this house that's just desperate enough to say, you know what, I need that. I need that. My family needs that. My wife needs that. My marriage needs that. My kids need that. I'll press. I got kids that need to come home. I'll press. I got neighbors that don't know Jesus. I'll press. If you really heard what I was saying this morning and how I felt, I wish I could just give it to you. I wish I could just pass it to you. If I could, I would. But we've got to get a burden for the lost, folks. This is bigger than you and me. This is bigger than than, than all of this. Do you realize that one day we're going to stand before God and He's either going to say, well done or depart. And it's our pressing that's going to produce the revival. It's our hunger. It's our desperation. And there's people right now that are depending on you and they're depending on me. And I do not want to look back and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want the tears that God has to wipe from my eyes to be the people I could have reached and the people that were lost on my watch. I don't want that to be the blood that has to be washed off my hands. we got to press. Your family is depending on you to press. Your ministry 
I said ministry. Your ministry. He doesn't only is the only one that has a ministry. I don't just have a ministry. Brother Hodge isn't the only one with a ministry. We all have ministries, and we're all ministers, and our ministry is depending off of whether we press or not, whether we make time for God or not, whether we find an altar, a place of prayer, a place of consecration, say, God, it don't feel good. I'd rather be watching Netflix. I'd rather be on my phone, but I know there's souls that need me, so I'm going to press. I'm going to press, God. I'm going to press. I just wonder this morning, is there anybody in this house that cares enough to press? To say, you know what? There's work to be done. There's people to be lost that's lost that needs to be won. Do you know if we got our eyes on the lost, we get our eyes off of each other? If we got our eyes on the lost, we get our eyes of what was wrong in the world and in the church. If we got our eyes where they belonged and we would begin to press, we wouldn't see all these little fickle things that bother us. The reason we see everything is because we're not doing anything. And I'm guilty. Please don't think I'm pointing my finger. But I refuse. I refuse to look back and say, no, no, I'm sorry. So this morning as you stand to your feet, I just wonder, if there's anybody that's just sick and tired enough of barely making it, that's just sick and tired of always giving up more ground than you're supposed to. And I wonder if there's anybody in this house this morning that has some things in their life that they need forgiveness and redemption and, and they need God to move on them. I just wonder. Because if there is, your miracle is on the other side of the pressing. And I tell you this morning, as I close, that it's time for us to go into full court press. And this morning, I open these altars. And if you need something from God, press your way to the altar. I wouldn't wait on a single person. If there was something I needed, I'd push my way to the altar. If there was a place I needed to be, I'd press my way to this altar. If there was something in my life I needed to pass, you wouldn't stop me. Wouldn't nobody. I'd be like the woman with the issue of blood. I'd push everybody out of my way. I'd push you down. I'd say, I'm sorry, but I got something I need. If there's something in your life this morning, it's on the other side of your pressing. And I just don't want to leave here with so much on the table. So this morning, these altars are open. And we're going to begin to pray with you. If you need anything from God, here is a great place to start. In Jesus' name, let's come to the Lord and begin to pray.